Chapter Eight of Eight Cousins by Louisa May Alcott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Eight, and what came of it? Uncle, could you lend me a ninepence? I return it as soon as I get my pocket money," said Rose, coming into the library in a great hurry that evening. I think I can, and I won't charge any interest for it. So you need not be in any hurry to repay me. Come back here and help me settle these books if you have nothing pleasanter to do," answered Doctor Alec, handing out the money. I'll come in a minute. I've been longing to fix my books, but didn't dare to touch them, because you always shake your head when I read. I shall shake my head when you write if you don't do it better than you did in making out this catalogue. I know it's bad, but I was in a hurry when I did it, and I am in one now. And away went Rose, glad to escape a lecture. But she got it when she came back, for Uncle Alec was still knitting his brows over the list of books, and sternly demanded, pointing to a tipsy-looking title staggering down the page, "Is that meant for pulverized bones, ma'am?" "No, sir. It's Paradise Lost." "Well, I'm glad to know it, for I began to think you were planning to study surgery or farming. And what is this, if you please?" Baby's aprons is all I can make of it. Rose looked hard at the scrawl and presently announced, with an air of superior wisdom, "Oh, that's Bacon's essays." Miss Power did not teach anything so old-fashioned as writing. I see. Now look at this little memorandum Aunt Plenty gave me, and see what a handsome, plain hand that is. She went to a dame school and learned a few useful things well. That is better than a smattering of half a dozen so-called higher branches. I take the liberty of thinking. Well, I'm sure I was considered a bright girl at school and learned everything I was taught. Lulu and me were the first in all our classes, and specially praised for our French and music and those sort of things," said Rose, rather offended at Uncle Alec's criticism. I dare say, but if your French grammar was no better than your English, I think the praise was not deserved, my dear. Why, Uncle, we did study English grammar, and I could parse beautifully. Miss Power used to have us up to show off when people came. I don't see but I talk as right as most girls. I dare say you do, but we are all too careless about our English. Now think a minute and tell me if these expressions are correct. Lulu and me, those sort of things, and as right as most girls. Rose pulled her pet curl and put up her lip. But had to own that she was wrong, and said meekly, after a pause which threatened to be sulky, "I suppose I should have said Lulu and I, in that case, and that sort of things, and rightly, though correctly would have been a better word, I guess." Thank you, and if you will kindly drop, I guess, I shall like my little Yankee all the better. Now see here, Rosie. I don't pretend to set myself up for a model in anything, and you may come down on my grammar, manners, or morals as often as you think I'm wrong, and I'll thank you. I've been knocking about the world for years, and I've gotten careless, but I want my girl to be what I call well-educated, even if she studies nothing but the three R's for a year. He spoke so earnestly and looked so sorry to have ruffled her that Rose went and sat on the arm of his chair, saying with a pretty air of penitence. I am sorry I was cross, Uncle. When I ought to thank you for taking so much interest in me, I guess. 
No, I think you are right about being thorough, for I used to understand a great deal better when Papa taught me a few lessons than when Miss Power hurried me through so many. I declare my head used to be such a jumble of French and German, history and arithmetic, grammar and music. I used to feel sometimes as if it would split. I'm sure I don't wonder it ached. And she held on to it as if the mere memory of the jumble made it swim. Yet that is considered an excellent school, I find, and I dare say it would if the benighted lady did not think it necessary to cram her pupils like Thanksgiving turkeys, instead of feeding them in a natural and wholesome way. It is the fault with most American schools, and the poor little heads will go on aching till we learn better. This was one of Dr. Alec's hobbies, and Rose was afraid he was off for a gallop, but he reined himself in and gave her thoughts a new turn by saying suddenly, as he pulled out a fat pocketbook, Uncle Mac has put all your affairs into my hands now, and here is your month's pocket money. You keep your own little accounts, I suppose. Thank you. Yes, Uncle Mac gave me an account book when I went to school, and I used to put down my expenses, but I couldn't make them go very well, for figures are the one thing I am not at all clever about. And Rose rummaged in her desk for a dilapidated little book, which she was ashamed to show when she found it. Well, as figures are rather important things to most of us, and you may have a good many accounts to keep some day, wouldn't it be wise to begin at once and learn to manage your pennies before the pounds come to perplex you? I thought you would do all that fussy part and take care of the pounds, as you call them. Need I worry about it? I do hate some so. I shall take care of things till you are of age, but I mean that you shall know how your property is managed and do as much of it as you can by and by. Then you won't be dependent on the honesty of other people. Gracious me, as if I wouldn't trust you with millions of billions if I had them, cried Rose, scandalized at the mere suggestion. Ah, but I might be tempted. Guardians are sometimes. So you'd better keep your eye on me, and in order to do that, you must learn all about these affairs, answered Dr. Alec, as he made an entry in his own very neat account book. Rose peeped over his shoulder at it, and then turned to the arithmetical puzzle in her hand with a sigh of despair. Uncle, when you add up your expenses, do you ever find you have more money than you had in the beginning? No, I usually find that I have a great deal less than I had in the beginning. Are you troubled in the peculiar way you mention? Yes, it is very curious, but I never can make things come out square. Perhaps I can help you began Uncle Alec in the most respectful tone. I think you had better, for if I have to keep accounts, I may as well begin in the right way. But please don't laugh. I know I'm very stupid, and my book is a disgrace, but I never could get it straight. And with great trepidation, Rose gave up her funny little accounts. It really was good in Dr. Alec not to laugh, and Rose felt deeply grateful when he said, in a mildly suggestive tone, the dollars and cents seem to be rather mixed. Perhaps if I just straighten them out a bit, we should find things all right. Please do, and then show me on a fresh leaf how to make mine look nice and shipshape as yours. As Rose stood by watching the ease with which he quickly brought order out of chaos, she privately resolved to hunt up her old arithmetic and perfect herself in the first four rolls with a good tug at fractions. Am I rich girl, uncle? she asked suddenly as he was copying a column of figures. 
Rather a poor one, I should say, since you had to borrow ninepence. That was your fault, because you forgot my pocket money. But, really, shall I be rich by and by? I am afraid you will. Why afraid, uncle? Too much money is a bad thing. But I can give it away, you know. That is always the pleasantest part of having it, I think. I am glad you feel so, for you can do much good with your fortune, if you know how to use it well. You shall teach me, and when I am a woman, we will set up a school where nothing but the three R's shall be taught, and all the children live on oatmeal, and the girls have waists a yard round, said Rose with a sudden saucy smile dimpling her cheeks. You are an impertinent little baggage to turn on me in that way right in the midst of my first attempt at teaching. Never mind, I'll have an extra bit of dose for you next time. I knew you wanted to laugh, so I gave you a chance. Now I will be good, master, and do my lesson nicely. So Dr. Alec had his laugh, and then Rose sat down and took a lesson in accounts which she never forgot. Now come and read aloud to me. My eyes are tired, and it is pleasant to sit here by the fire while the rain pours outside, and Aunt Jane lectures upstairs, said Uncle Alec, when last month's accounts had been put in good order and a fresh page neatly begun. Rose liked to read aloud, and gladly gave him the chapter in Nicholas Nickleby where the Miss Kenwigses take their French lesson. She did her very best, feeling that she was being criticized, and hoping that she might not be found wanting in this as in other things. "'Shall I go on, sir?' she asked very meekly when the chapter ended. "'If you are not tired, dear, it is a pleasure to hear you, for you read remarkably well,' was the answer that filled her heart with pride and pleasure. "'Do you really think so, uncle? I'm so glad. Papa taught me, and I read for hours to him, but I thought, perhaps, he liked it because he was fond of me.' "'So am I, but you really do read unusually well, and I'm very glad of it.' for it is a rare accomplishment, and one I value highly. Come here in this cozy low chair. The light is better, and I can pull these curls if you go too fast. I see you are going to be a great comfort as well as a great credit to your old uncle, Rosie. And Dr. Alec drew her close with such a fatherly look and tone that she felt it would be very easy to love and obey him, since he knew how to mix praise and blame so pleasantly together. Another chapter was just finished when the sound of a carriage warned them that Aunt Jane was about to depart. Before they could go to meet her, however, she appeared in the doorway, looking like an unusually tall mummy in her waterproof, with her glasses shining like cat's eyes from the depths of the hood. Just as I thought, petting that child to death and letting her sit up late reading trash. I do hope you feel the weight of the responsibility you have taken upon yourself, Alec she said with a certain grim sort of satisfaction at seeing things go wrong. "'I think I have a very realizing sense of it, Sister Jane,' answered Dr. Alec, with a comical shrug of the shoulders and a glance at Rose's bright face. "'It is sad to see a great girl wasting these precious hours so. Now, my boys have studied all day, and Mac is still at his books, I have no doubt, while you have not had a lesson since you came, I suspect.' I've had five today, ma'am, was Rose's unexpected answer. I am glad to hear it. What were they, pray? Rose looked very demure as she replied, Navigation, geography, grammar, arithmetic, and keeping my temper. Queer lessons, I fancy. And what have you learned from this remarkable mixture? 
I should like to know. A naughty sparkle came into Rose's eyes as she answered with a droll look at her uncle. I can't tell you all, ma'am, but I have collected some useful information about China, which you may like, especially the teas. The best are Lap Sing, Su Chong, Asim Peko, Rare Anko, Flowery Peko, Hukui's Mixture, Scented Caper, Padral Tea, Bat Kongu, and Green Twinkie. Shanghai is on the Wusong River. Hong Kong means Island of Sweet Waters. Singapore is Lion's Town. Chops are the boats they live in. And they drink tea out of little saucers. Principal productions are porcelain, tea, cinnamon, shawls, tin, tamarinds, and opium. They have beautiful temples and queer gods. And in Canton is the dwelling of the holy pigs. Fourteen of them, very big and all blind. The effect of this remarkable burst was immense, especially the fact last mentioned. It entirely took the wind out of Aunt Jane's sails. It was so sudden, so varied, and unexpected that she had not a word to say. The glasses remained fixed full upon Rose for a moment, and then, with a hasty, Oh, indeed! The excellent lady bundled into her carriage and drove away, somewhat bewildered and very much disturbed. She would have been more so if she had seen her reprehensible brother-in-law dancing a triumphal polka with Rose in honor of having silenced the enemy's battery for once. End of chapter 8 Recording by Maria Therese